TIM Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Okay, hi everybody, and here we are today for the first of the CIM Study Buddy podcasts. We are recording this podcast in the midst of lockdown in the spring of 2020. Today with me are Gemma Butler from CIM and our special guest from Professional Academy, Michael O'Flynn. Michael, Gemma, hi. Hello. Hi. Now, many people in the sector are on furlough, which uh, was a term nobody had ever heard of until uh, late March when the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, used it to describe a mechanism by where people can be kept on 80% of their uh, wages, uh, but uh, given a leave of absence while the crisis subsides. You're not allowed to do any work uh, during that period, but what you are allowed to do is to study and skill up. So Michael, who is with us today, is an expert on studying and skilling up at home, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how we move into that sort of culture when we're used perhaps to working in an office or studying in a classroom. Thank you for the, the introduction. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, so first of all, it's it's not just me talking about studying uh, whilst furloughed at the moment. I, I, I am a voice among many, uh, including MPs such as Gavin Williamson. And he came out earlier this week and encouraged all furloughed employees to improve their knowledge, build their confidence and support their mental health. So they have the skills needed to succeed after the coronavirus outbreak. The government's actually put together a whole set of skills packs and free learning and, and elements that they'd like to encourage furloughed employees to undertake. So this is an entire nationwide government-led initiative to continue studying whilst furloughed. That's something that the CIM, Professional Academy and various studying institutes are also looking to support for our learners, both active and future, and the members of the CIM to make sure that continued professional development doesn't uh, halt because of the pandemic. It's also being encouraged by mental health institutes. So we are seeing Mental Health UK come out with advice, encouraging staff to not only think about their mental health and well-being, but they're also talking to the staff about their goals during their leave. Have they thought about any skills they want to learn? This might include examples of things they want to do when they get back to work or things they plan to do beforehand. And that could be anything as simple as Microsoft Office training, or it can go all the way into a complex accountancing course, or as we're here to talk about, maybe marketing qualifications are on the horizon and have been for a while. If you're trying to move into this process and you've not, you're not uh, used to uh, uh, learning and studying while at home or while working remotely, what do you think, Michael, are the key things you need to know in order to make that a success? Well, first of all, you need to know how to build a routine. You need to look after yourself because one of the key elements that we've spoken about at, in, at length with our learners and in general with our, our team ourselves has been about maintaining a sense of normality. Right. And with the maintaining a sense of normality, we are in, and I know it's incredibly cliche nowadays, we've heard it a million times, uncertain times. And uncertain times will happen not just through the pandemic, they will happen throughout our careers, throughout our lives. And maintaining a sense of normality, such as just getting up and putting a shirt on or getting up and sitting at a desk, can be incredibly difficult to factor yourself into. 
by adding some learning into there or giving yourself a goal to achieve each day, you're creating that normality that would usually be filled by work and by having that nine to five routine or whatever your working routine is. So it's by to get to the starting block, you need to start at the beginning and set your routine. What are your goals? What do you want to achieve? How are you going to do this? And learning becomes that new working in an odd way. Generally, you suddenly went overnight into a, a sort of lockdown existence. What did you do to try to bring about that sense of normality, to get used to the fact that you weren't going to be running your normal lifestyle, your normal working life? I think, I mean, I think it's fair to say that uh, initially the first week was all about, was all a bit of a fog, you know, trying to get used to things, trying to understand, you know, how to settle in. There was a lot of meetings. There was a lot of discussion. And then I think as we moved into the second week, things, it was a bit of a sort of an acceptance that, you know, you're going to be working from home a while. And then you make a few decisions like I am going to get up at the same time every morning and I am going to do the regular things that I would do. I think I've kind of built up from there as well. And I think a lot of people in, in the team have in so much as people have started going for walks People have started doing some exercise. I think, you know, as time goes on, it's like anything, starting something, whether it's starting working from home because of a pandemic, starting a qualification, starting some learning, starting an exercise routine. I think starting is probably the biggest hurdle initially. And then you start to build a routine. And I think it's, you know, I think it's really fair to say that you know, you're not going to get it straight away. You're going to have to try different things. You're going to have to mix your routine up a little bit to not let it get monotonous. You're going to work out, um, you know, what works for you, um, whether it's morning, whether it's afternoon study. I think, you know, there's there's lots of different variations. I know for myself personally, yesterday, I cancelled all my Zoom meetings and video calls and had a day of just doing my work. And I can't tell you how different I felt at the end of the day, having just made one big fundamental change after having 18 video calls in two days. Well, that's interesting, though, isn't it? Because that is a form of normalising. I've done a similar thing here. And I'm going to ask you this question in a minute, Michael. But that is a form of normalising. Because normally, on a normal day, you wouldn't have seven Zoom calls in that day. You wouldn't have seven video conferences in that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you've actually done is you compartmentalized a day and you said, right, this is the day where I do my project work, the stuff that is solitary, and I'm going to take out external noise. And that in and of itself is a way of normalizing. And presumably, Michael, that is extremely important when you're trying to study at home as well, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's a case of balancing uh, the long term goals with the quick wins. Yeah. If you're sitting there and even when you're working from home or if you're furloughed and you're trying to balance this out and you think, oh, you know what, this is a year long study program. That's a huge commitment. I can't really commit to that. But you can break it down and think I'm going to do four hours of e-learning. I'm going to start task one of my assignment. Or you may not even be ready for the qualification route. But you think, you know, what, I'm going to set up my CPD journal. I'm going to set up my goals for what I'm going to be looking to do and having that tick list to say 
I've achieved something today, which is something we don't find if we spend all day in Zoom calls. And I'll be honest, I never Zoom called my mother until this breakdown, the, well, this pandemic. <laughs> but I'm certainly video conferencing with her now. <laughs> I unusual that I don't think my mother would ever heard of Zoom until about four weeks ago. <laughs> and the, ch the, the chances of her ever using it would have been a million to one. But, but it's interesting. You do find your calendar is filled up by all of these people. And, and rem remember the old cliche when we were in our offices, this meeting could have been an email I yeah. feel like changing that to saying this Zoom call could have been an email right. and just moving past that stage but setting those little wins those little goals that we could have to say I've achieved something I've completed something is not only good for maintaining that sense of normality and achievement and feeling like you've done something and progressed rather than feeling like you're in your gym jams and you're watching your fifth episode of homes under the hammer it's just giving yourself that sense of achievement and moving forward that you get from working life so you're you're replacing your working life with another element of achievement and motivation did you make any mistakes in the early days either of you in terms of that normalization process that had you had your time again with the benefit of 2020 hindsight you would have done differently to bring about that normalization rather more rapidly I, th I think from my perspective, uh, I, I felt that having never gone through it before um, and, you know, it being a, a, a sort of brand new situation, I think where I went wrong uh, in hindsight was uh, feeling that if I had to be on calls all the time in order to be productive. And then <laughs> on a personal note, that came with sitting at the same table eating a lot of biscuits and you know I think after the second week when I put my uh, jeans on after wearing tracksuit bottoms for two weeks I got a real sense of normality hit me very very hard when I couldn't do them up so um, I actually uh, I think you know this setting goals and objectives is absolutely key um, you know I just very small things that I, I put a pedometer on my phone and I make sure I do 10,000 steps a day even if that means walking around my kitchen in the evening because I think having that goal especially if you're studying and you're working towards something to see it, the motivation you get from reaching those each step along the way you know, is it spurs you on to the next thing because you don't want it to become a, a, a one long blur, which is, I think, what working from home can become. So, you know, one day I, I worked from upstairs in my loft and again, a change of scenery just it just made it feel different, mixing it up around the house, because otherwise you do you do go into a fog and you do become very unproductive. What about you, Michael? Did you make any mistakes in the earlier part of lockdown, which have taught you a lesson about what you need to do in order to make remote working and remote learning a success? Uh, yes, I think I overestimated how well I was set up to work from home. Uh, within the first three days, I had to order a desk. And I don't know if anyone else was trying to order a desk during lockdown and every desk in the world was like gold. You couldn't get one. So I ended up going to, I think, an office, office online office furniture rarer store. Than, rarer than loo roll in those days. Wasn't it? Very much rarer than loo roll. And, and I could bring some stuff from the office, but I couldn't bring everything. So I built a desk. I broke the desk when building it, which is my MO when building anything. So it has holes in it that weren't supposed to be there. But once I got that set up, I was finding myself, oh, good, I've got a working environment. It's nice, it's clean, it's calm, because I have worked from home before, but never to this extent. The second mistake then came on from that, where I found myself working 
continuously i wasn't finishing when i was usually finished so i'm getting up i don't have to commute i walk the dog in the morning and i sit straight at my desk i'm then working through from seven o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night sometimes because i'm on a roll i'm doing stuff mm. by the third fourth day of finding myself working into the evening and not having an evening plan i was exhausted yeah. and i was unproductive and all of a sudden i was thinking two weeks into lockdown oh my to-do list is getting very short because I was plowing through stuff and I wasn't thinking I was firefighting still I wasn't thinking about the future and planning and being economical with my time I was thinking go 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 and this will be all over soon and I didn't pace myself so I set up an office environment and then I reset my clock and I put myself this is my working hours and then I'm going to spend time with my family in the evening. It's interesting, isn't it, about the environment and the, and the timetabling. The timetabling, I think, is something a lot of people have noticed, is the ones they've cut out. I mean, people who live where I do in North London, you know, we're used to, you know, an hour, hour and 20 minutes in, an hour and 20 minutes out. So you're taking out that two hours of commute a day. But what you're doing is your day just lengthen and lengthen if you don't, if you don't stop it doing that. And that becomes abnormal. You're, you're, you're not used to being... Uh, you know, at your desk for 10 hours, you're used to being at your desk probably for eight hours or eight and a half hours or seven and a half or whatever, but you're not used to being at your desk at 10 hours. So what you're doing is you're abnormalizing if you allow your day uh, to mission creep in that way. You know, there's an interesting thing that Gemma said earlier, which was that she found yesterday for her a great day because she'd compartmentalized it. She'd moved away all of the Zoom Niagara of calls and said this is a day that I'm going to sit on my own and I'm going to do the work that I need to do my project work um, and she said at the end of yesterday evening so she, she got she finished she finished up and uh, felt a lot better uh, about that day and what she'd done in her achievements and that made me think that actually there's something about being mentally active is helping your mental health and the whole thing is creating this virtuous circle and that's something that you have found, Michael, in terms of what helps people succeed when they're studying at home. It certainly is, especially for learners who have been furloughed, because staying mentally active when you've had your daily routine, not switched to work from home, but taken away completely, can be a real task. You don't have a set reason to get up in the morning. So what we're finding our learners who have been furloughed are coming back to us and saying, I'm so grateful I've got a course to study. Because once you find that you're not interacting and there's a challenge that comes with work, it's not just the problem solving and the interacting with humans, but your brain cells start firing in the morning when you're doing your commute. Oh, I've got to take a different route because of traffic or oh, the, the Jubilee lines down. I've got to go over here. You're firing all your synapses really early. And you find yourself, if you're not doing that, you get feel sluggish, you become forgetful. And at the worst case, it can lead to depression. So we've got people who are actually starting programs now because they've identified that their mental health is suffering because they are, they're homeschooling, they're teaching their kids, or they've got their kids that are too young to be homeschooled. So they're not interacting to that stage. Uh, we have had quite a few people who have been put down in terms of mental activity from teaching their kids because apparently math has changed in the last 20 years i i wouldn't be able to do new math it's nice to then go back to something that you do understand and you are low at learning and it is your area of expertise because uh, 
a lot of marketers I know, especially one of the reasons we came into marketing is we didn't get on with the basic uh, qualification. We didn't get on with maths or English. They weren't our areas or oh. we're very articulate in terms of English, but we couldn't for the life of a spell. Those are the areas I see with a lot of marketers. Uh, and you do find yourself being when you get thrown up with challenges such as GCSE level math, which I would fail hands down nowadays. Uh, it's different to what you're doing with your professional developing marketing, where you could sit there and do analytics of stats till the cows come home and you'd be really useful on them. But it's not just from my side. It's not just waxing lyrical about CIM. I'm encouraging all learners to learn anything i have gone from everything from helping people to learn new languages and introducing them to apps like duolingo to getting them to learn new skills on youtube especially cooking i'm a big advocate of people using online videos to learn to cook now uh, and even we had someone who has three young children and they're learning to juggle and tie balloons and they're picking up new skills that they're not particularly going to be useful post lockdown but they're keeping their brain active because they're just learning something do to do so not all CPD is equal, but all CPD is beneficial. You're keeping your brain active and you're benefiting from that going forwards. There's something in that, isn't there, Gemma, that you'll, if you train yourself in an area which is within your broad metier, you're going to get a lot more um, satisfaction from that than to trying to do, to go to something that you, you know absolutely nothing about. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd say absolutely. If you've got an interest in something, I mean, for a start, it means you want to learn more about it. You've got a natural sort of reason to want to learn it. And I think if you do something within your skill set, you're improving on something you've got. And you can bring some new skills into that and new ways of working. But um, I think, yeah, anyone that goes off and tries to learn, you know, a language when they don't speak any other languages, you know, that's, all the hardest languages that there are to learn it could potentially have a negative impact on the mental health because they figure that they can't they can't learn it so I think you know if you look at if you look at the professional qualifications and you're a marketer then you know how they're built up and how they're structured means that you can take on the elements of that qualification and start to build on your skills in an area that you know you know that you're comfortable with um, and you'll learn new things along the way. I also think, you know, by, by learning, you're, it's a distraction from other things that you might possibly think about. And especially in the situation we're in at the moment, people, you know, are prone to thinking the worst. And if you read the media, I mean, some days, I don't know about you guys, but some days I've, I've read a story at lunchtime and then it's just stuck in my head for the rest of the day. And I've, I've taken yeah. myself down very many routes of, of doom and gloom when actually um, if you distract yourself and you're doing something that you're interested in you feel more motivated and more positive so it's a it's it's the distraction as well as the learning and I think at the moment you need to be able to uh, to I struggle to retain information some days because my mind just goes into a fog so by giving yourself something to learn, something you're interested in, you're, you're keeping your brain sort of mulling over everything without getting distracted by, by the outside world. It speaks to the, this modern, this modern uh, uh, goal of mindfulness, doesn't it? That it is keeping your mind occupied with something gameful. And on the gameful part, I think it, to your point, it's important to remember this will not be forever. There is an end to the lockdown there is an end to the the crisis and when we come out of that crisis we want to be two things we want to be mentally fit we've discussed a little bit about that 
But Michael, we need to be fit for the future as well, don't we? We want to have developed ourselves so we can bounce back into what's next. You're absolutely right. It's easy to get caught up in the everyday news and forget about the future, but it's important to remember that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can come out of this stronger and more resilient than ever, and you'll be ready to deal with whatever the economic climate has to throw at you. And we don't know what that is yet, but we can still be prepared for all of those scenarios that come out. It's one of the things that's always been quite resilient within marketing. It's actually one of the things that first appealed to me when I came into marketing is it was labelled as a recession-proof career path. It could weather all of the storms. It's always going to be needed, and we're there to plan for the future. That's a really important point, though, isn't it, Gemma, that in order to maximise the benefits of being in a sector, which is pretty much, as as sectors go, recession-proof because it is always needed, we're going to come into this new normal. We don't know what it looks like. And during this time, it means to add as many strings to our bow as we possibly can. Yes, I mean, I, I think in, term, in terms of marketing in the future, uh, you know, obviously we're reading a lot of things around how, you know, things are going to be different, the future is going to change forever. And, you know, some elements of how we, how we are in society will change how we uh, behave moving forward. And, you know, marketing is about taking those insights and those behavioural insights and, and consumer insights and, and, and really looking at them and, and working out what propositions and what services and what things people want. Um, and, you know, marketing is always looking ahead at which points organisations need to either change direction or stop doing something. Um, whilst keeping a foot firmly in in the current in the current uh, place that we are, um, I think at the moment that was really clear when we went into this lockdown. You know, consumer behaviour started to change, but it was only through a lot of the marketing articles that you're reading where you're saying, you know, there's articles saying, well, this will change forever, and it's like, no, this is a moment in time. Um, when things are changing and actually they're not changing they're reactive changes as opposed to proactive changes you know we all went into a different way of shopping we all went into a different way of living we've all gone into a different way of moving around society I think marketing will be critical as we move forward to try and look at those behaviors to see which elements of those behaviors will change and which elements of those behaviors will effectively uh, stay the same Wow. So, I mean, there's going to be a whole lot of new data analysis uh, that is going to be needed to be done when we come out of this thing. Um, And we're going to need the skills in the sector to do it, aren't we, Michael? Exactly. And it's also one of those things you do not want to be complacent as a marketer if you were in work. We don't know what channels are going to survive. We don't know what channels are going to be elevated. We don't know how people are going to communicate and think into the future. But marketers are the ones that are going to be providing that information, gathering that information. And market research especially is going to be a huge part of where we are after the the pandemic is over. But it's also interesting in terms of when you talk about complacency, individual complacency. If you've been furloughed, when you return to work, you want to come back as the best version of yourself you can be. And that actually, for some marketers, is going to open up new opportunities. Workforces are going to shift. There are going to be changes. And you could position yourself as the marketer who has 
done a load of CPD. Maybe you've even got chartered. You're protecting yourself into the future. You're becoming a more rounded marketer. Maybe you've improved your digital skills. You are going to be the person that's going to take your business into the future because you have kept up to date. You have updated yourself. You have taken advantage of your opportunity. And yes, I'm aware that not everybody can do that, but you're giving yourself the opportunity to to move forward either individually or as an organization when you come back by using your time to continue to prepare and plan and learn it's it's a it's an opportunity as much as it is a a, a hindrance to some people nowadays you know what i'm learning about learning because in order to use this time best you should learn in order to prepare yourself for the future you need to learn because there's going to be a lots of things that the sector has got to learn about what's happened but it also for yourself, for your mental health, for the way that you set yourself about each day, learning is just a very, very useful tool, whether it's learning professionally, whether it's learning something uh, amateur for yourself. I think that this is actually maybe something that we can look back on in, in months and years to come and say this was a remarkable opportunity for people to do something and learn something and develop that they would not have otherwise have had. Is that your sense from companies you're speaking to, Gemma, that actually this is a, an interesting opportunity that we've never otherwise got the chance to do? I think, I think on, a, on, a, on a people's personal individual levels, yes, uh, some people are having to, or everybody's having to face something they would never normally have got the chance to do. So where, how they apply that, you know, they're getting the opportunity to do that, whether it's learning, whether it's homeschooling their kids, spending more time with their family, exercising, all of those things. I think from an organisational point of view, um, I think there's a number of things that I've certainly seen happening and, and, and read about, which is, you know, through this, we've seen that, you know, you can effectively short circuit processes and thought patterns and you can you can change things at the drop of a hat if you absolutely have to. And um, I was writing my column for Catalyst yep. and I was talking about how we've seen some really unlikely partnerships come out between brands during this pandemic. Um, and also we've seen how, you know, traditional channels such as TV have been able to effectively turn campaigns around, uh, change how, you know, put new campaigns out there in timeframes that would never have been thought possible before. And we're also seeing brands trying their hands at completely different things, you know, Brewdog turned into, you know, started manufacturing hand sanitizer. It's a brewery. So, I think if you know this period of time has shown um, that when you look at marketing in its fullest sense, proposition, campaigns, um, you know, data analysis, changing the direction of the organisation, launching all those things, the messaging um, and the communications, I think it's really brought marketing to the surface um, and shown how broad it is as, as a function and how broad it is as a profession, which is, you know, is we would never have been given that time before because everybody has been constantly walking in the same direction, doing the same thing, trying to get to where you need to be to your goals and objectives. Michael, marketing sabbatical through furlough. Are we going to come out bolder, better and brighter than we were in February? 
I 100% believe so. I think what the marketing industry has demonstrated, either from those working from home or those furloughed and investing in themselves, is a huge resiliency. Uh, back to Gemma's point, I think we're seeing more brands go back to their core values. We have banks talking about people. We've got companies, telecommunications companies pulling together their online advertising and, and bringing that into TV, which is interesting when you're seeing all of these FaceTime videos and things like that being used. So we're already seeing lots of fantastic innovation for those left in work, which is going to provide fantastic examples for those returning to work and more examples for them to learn. Learn about expressing your core values through communication. Learn about interpreting analytics to create a better decision making going forward. And all I can think, and this is a, a very narrow sighted uh, approach in some way, is the breadth of the examples being used for CIM qualifications either in the assignments are going to be far more varied than if you think back to four years ago when everybody was on the social media hype. Yeah. Now we're going to be thinking far more, to use the cliches, out of the box. We're going to be innovating. We're going to be thinking of new ways of doing things. I think we would never have seen Tesco's, for example, filming an entire TV ad campaign via what looks like a Zoom channel. I don't know what tools they're using with the, uh, is it Mum's Roast Lamb, which they did as a commercial, which I think was absolutely fantastic. And it's not, they did it very quickly and it's not something that they overthought. So we might see the, the simplification of innovation, the willingness to go forward. We're also going to inevitably see a more cost-effective approach to marketing when things get tightened in the new year so it is going to be we're going to be stronger marketers we're going to be smarter marketers we're going to be more innovative because we've developed the resiliency and we've had to demonstrate this agility and these new ways of thinking absolutely we we talk all the time about innovation and agility and most of the time you're like what's innovation what's agility and there's all these you know cliched terms and ready-made answers to that um, it's apple it's microsoft it's technology i think this time we've we're going through now has shown probably the biggest test of agility and innovation that we'll ever see and i think the innovation has come in in big and small and just massive changes but also tiny changes and i think as you say michael those case studies will now be so much more um, important and valuable as people go through their qualifications because the range of what people have done during this is, has just been incredible. So learn, become agile and get ready for what's next. Gemma, Michael, thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank you. It's been a pleasure. CIM Podcast.